Hi and welcome to another episode of Flipping Orbs. Uh, my name is Gordon Anderson and this is episode two. Actually it's just two, even though we've done a couple more episodes than actual two. But the episode number is two. And with me as usual, I have Grant Castleton. Hello Grant. How you doing? I'm fine, thanks. And you? Good. Good. Which, uh, wh were I correct this episode? Is it number two? I believe it is. Re yes, because the band episode and then the pilot was zero. So I think this is number two. Yeah. Okay. I <laughs> I think I'm stupid uh, just doing this. I'll having like the pilot and 1.5. It's all my doing and I'm the one messing it up. But sure. Things like that happen. But let's get straight into playing. What have you been playing as a late? Um, last week we met up at Revolution Taproom and played a little bit of Magic. And I was playing Geddon. Um, which is what I normally put, just have together. Um, but I'm going to be hopefully having White Weenie put together as well. I like to have two decks put together. That's why I just need to pick up some other cheap cards. But... Um, uh, yeah, so just get in as of late. I did pick up my third Berserk, so I'm trying to oh. get a full playset to play, um, you know, like Berserk Beats or something um, of that nature whenever I get a playset. But like a Berserk but, um, with like small small cre creatures and a lot of pump or more the Juggernauts and things like that? Yeah, Scrib Sprites and like Giant Growths and maybe Concurrent Crossroads to be more faster, but probably not as good and I don't know. Just there's some other decks online that I've been looking at, or even like Ball Lightnings with oh. the Void Fates, just in case for the backup. If you if you listen to that, that was my deck box with exactly the deck you're <laughs> describing. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, that's what I'm uh, brewing on right now for uh, our big tournament here in two weeks' time here in Stockholm. That's a Berserk deck with Scrib Sprites, Flying Men. Giant Groves, Unstable Mutations, and things like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I'd play blue just because I don't have the duels for that, but um, yeah, I was thinking just red, 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 green, and go from there. But yeah, maybe um, play in the Atog build uh, when you play like I, that with four Black Wise and Anka Mishras. I've played. I've someone built that deck here and i was not a fan because it's very swingy it can all it can either kill you very very quickly or you just get you just get killed yeah. very quickly like it it either wins or loses but, no, but every deck no... with berserk is a little bit like that <laughs> yeah and, well and yeah, every i mean with a tog as well so the, both together. yeah the tog deck's a little harder because you need artifacts and then that's the artifacts are taking up like slots for control cards or other things to, to for protecting you or you know other things when your win con is just in the togs then it's a little slim yeah but it is fun to just uh, but yeah. you can play like sushis and fireballs because then you can use the sushis mana for a fireball and pump the atog at the same time and still have the berserk for like a sushi that's eight damage and Mana vaults to power out sushis and juggernauts, which then can be mm -hmm. eaten for the uh, by the atog. Uh, I actually have one of those decks uh, on the, there is one on the site on the wakwak.se. Uh, you can find atog smash, which is 
more like that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's fun, but yeah, it's swingy. It's swingy as, yeah. <laughs> but I'm a big fan of ATOG. I've ever, always been. Um, but well, when, uh, and then you said you're brewing that. But have you been playing anything else and prepare? What tournament's coming up? Yeah, we're going to have a tournament here the 10th of June uh, in Stockholm, which is Stockholm's. Uh, yearly like big tournament um, and that's called the Ivory Cup uh, last year we oh. were 29 people this year we are 38 registered players as of now nice so hopefully we'll we'll stay that way don't have too many drop-offs because we've gotten some really nice cool prices for every everyone and we've promised free beer for everyone who signs up and pays before the end of this month. <laughs> oh, there's an entry fee? Yeah. Uh, this is a, this is our big tournament where we need to have an entry fee because uh, it costs uh, uh, quite a bit to have um, uh, the space where we're playing and uh, to okay. buy some really nice prices. There are prices for a couple of hundred uh, bucks. Oh wow! In different ways, but you're going to have a tournament as well, which is a little bit different from our tournament, I think. Uh, yeah, so we're um, <clears throat> we're going to be holding old school players ball first annual um, in Chicago on August 26th. Um, the venue is free. A lot of venues, I guess. I don't know how it is for over there, but decent amount depending on where you you know the type of place. It's going to be a free you know, um, registration to, to sign up and like hold some tables. So we're going to be holding it at revolution tap room on Kedzie, which is a big, good space, uh, and a brewery. So there's going to be plenty of beer. Nice. Um, so yeah, but there, in regards to entry, we're not, we don't normally charge, but this is going to be a, um, uh, a donation event. And we're going to be donating to the Public Library Foundation. Um, I think it's going to be like 15 bucks. So there's going to be some money involved, but that's all good. We're not, we're going to be donating prizes. I've got uh, an extra CE. Well, it's not extra, but I don't play it. But I've got a CE plateau I think I'm going to throw in for a prize. Oh, nice. Uh, and we're, we're, yeah, we're capping it at 48 people. So as of right now, I think there's well, maybe 10, 9 to 11 spots left. So if anyone hears this beforehand, go try to sign up. Yeah, so you're you're um, the same as our tournament right now, but you have 12 spots left. Yeah. Ten. Yeah, this, I mean, even right now, even with it not being fully booked, it's still going to be one of the biggest events that we're going to hold because the biggest, the last one that, that I remember that was the biggest one um, was about 23 or 24 people. Um, which is a pretty good yeah, and that was just kind of like a hey we're going to be holding a tournament and we had a bunch of people come So, the, but this one's actually going to be um, planned out yeah we've got 32 people signed up so there's ten, or there's a couple more spots left cool. but yeah so it should be it should be good I'm very excited yeah I like the idea with having a charity tournament um, we would go probably going to <clears throat> steal that idea from you and have a charity tournament here as well at some point so I think that's most old school players don't really care uh, about the entry fee 
if there's an interview mm-hmm. or not. Uh, so giving it to charity would be nice. But we have the problem uh, no pubs. Are, we have problems with pubs. Uh, they don't want to have people playing there. And um, if you don't rent the space for a couple of grand. Oh, here. okay. So that's the difference. But hopefully we can... Uh, get that working in the future as well but before today's topic uh, i also want to plug a little bit uh, about the site because uh, um, the last week we've done some updates uh, we put some new decks for those who haven't visited the site it's walkwalk.sc uh, with a dash in the middle it has an archetype site with almost all old school archetypes uh, listed with a short introduction text and a sample image of a deck uh, almost all is of course <clears throat> not true but it's at least 40 decks right now and the new decks were a fork combo deck a living plane uh, combo deck and we split up the sioux category into lestre sioux arabian agro uh, the red blue green version and the version which is based in green and white which seemed correct to do and more decks are coming but what is a grant should we go over to today's main topic yeah let's do it and today's topic playing unpowered because we know a lot of you listeners have been asking for this. Uh, we've gotten emails and things like that about talking about budget, playing on a budget, playing unpowered. Because power is not only hard to get, if you get a hold of it, it's also very expensive. And so is duels. So we're going to play, uh, talk a little bit about playing on a budget, a real budget budget deck. And um, also after that, just talking about playing unpowered not maybe a budget deck but still without the most crazy expensive cards and i thought a good a good way of starting this is asking you grant what did you play when you started playing old school because you didn't have power then i guess no i so i the first deck i built was mono green cockatrice uh did you play, play a lure? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the 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 cockatrice lure combo, and then the the other the I can't remember the name the uh, the lizard oh, that the, also the does pretty much the same thing. Thick of basilisk. Assault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I I put that together with um, I didn't have birds of paradise even. I even went the more budget route with wild growth, um, but. With disenchant being rampant, wild growth was not very good. So, eventually, I and I bought pretty much that whole deck was CE. Um, I had a bunch of beta, uh, beta basics already. Like for each color, I think I had almost like ten to twelve each. Oh, so nice. I was kind of covered on that. Um, and that was just because I was I thought those were cool, like years ago, and was just trading for them. Um, so I played a mono green deck, um, but then also built eventually when people when I first started. Uh, like after like really getting into it, I started buying or picking up red cards as well. Um, so I had um, like a, 
like a red green deck as well. And even all those cards were uh, they were they were cheap. They were either white bordered or four and black bordered. Did you pick I, up I uh, got duels some... as well then? Tigers. Well, so at the time I already had a couple. I had two tigers, um, and then tigers. I think one of the cheapest ones, yeah. not including plateau. So you can get them for almost fifty. You can get them for fifty dollars, which. I think it's pretty cheap. I mean, I I'm dead broke now buying all my cards, and I haven't, I don't really buy cards here and there now. Only when I really need something or I save up for it. But um, I had some tigers already, but even then I wasn't playing with tigers right away, just because I only had two or the two that I had I had for the past you know a couple of years. I was like, oh, I'll play with two, and then eventually that's when I sold my cube and then bought a bunch of stuff because um, I just didn't play with my cube at all. So that was the first deck I built, and then. It eventually evolved into a red-green deck, still without power though as well. So that was eventually I started picking up the CE power um, when I sold that cube, when I sold my cube. Um, so now, so that's when but you I just, went like I said, into power. That was first a green deck going over to green-red, and then start picking up power for that deck, or did you change what you played as well? Like, did you continue to um, play a red-green? Um... Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And then I eventually started throwing white in there, too. And then that's when I saw the Geddon deck. And it was like, okay, I'm going to try to build. I want to build that deck. So started buying Savannahs. I was able to pick up some Savannahs for a pretty good price from a friend here and then two online for pretty for cheap as well. Um, comparatively to, like, what, you know, stores are selling them for. And then... I, I do my best to budget everything, whether it be foreign black border or white border or um, just like looking for deals and just waiting. Because I think a lot of people may just want to build a deck and just buy stuff and yeah. not look around and shop around and have the patience to do so. But I was at, I was at the point where I was like, you know, I don't want to I've got some money to spend on cards, but I don't want to just go and blow all the money on cards right away and not look around so i and i wasn't in a hurry i mean old school so I just it's, it's part of the it's part of old school actually yeah. having the time to build your deck slowly getting that new card to put in your deck and just like feel how it becomes a little more perfect because that's how it was in the 90s as well where you didn't have all the cards and you you couldn't just shop online you traded with your friends and maybe your friends were building the same deck and wouldn't trade you the card. Then you couldn't get a hold of the card. It was part of the part of the journey. Yeah, and usually I would wait around or post on Facebook and or um, try to buy from someone on Facebook or someone here in Chicago just because um, I'd rather give someone else some money if they're trying to buy some stuff or if they're just got extra cards. I'd rather give a friend some money than a store. So unless like the store, like one of the, if it's the local store, because that's where I bought a bunch of stuff when I first started playing. Support um, your local store, everyone. I think that's yeah. The MTG, yeah, the MTG card market. So they, 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 they don't really have too much old stuff anymore, and that's honestly because whenever they would get stuff, they would tell Dominic or me or somebody <laughs> else, be like, "Hey, we have a, we 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 bought a collection, and there's this these unlimited duels, or there's these older cards. You guys, we're giving you guys. Do you guys want them first? And we're like, "Oh yeah, sure. And if not, then they'll put them up, and they'll probably sell pretty quickly. But so that's that's, that's kind of nice how I started doing it. Then you're really now I'm at the point where I sold all. Yeah, yeah, and it helps too because like friends with everyone there too, and it's nice when they're 
I can shoot them a message if they're going to a GP and I'm like, hey, if you guys see this out in the wild or someone's trying to sell it, I'm in the market, so buy it and let me know. So, which is nice too to be able to let them know that they want if I want something. Yeah, cool. Um, but what about you? What was your first um, budget deck that you built, or did you just go full steam <laughs> right into it? I a little bit of both, I would say. Um, I played old school like maybe two years before I got into. Uh, old school uh, by borrowing a deck just this is a cool format but then I didn't see anyone play for quite some time here in Stockholm uh, until I yeah I start needs to do I really need to start playing and need these guys to start playing again Uh, so I just started to talk with the guys who played for many years okay but what decks are there I like this I like that and um, I quite quickly got a tip of okay, this deck, this is you, Gordon, and they showed me the Electric Eel aggressive deck. And I was like, okay, this mm-hmm. is this is me because I've been playing blue red since '97, '96 maybe, but no, I think green until '97, and then blue red like counter burn strategies from Mirage and forward has like always been my thing so I said okay I need to build this so I started to uh, buy electric ears flying men and stable mutations I got a place at uh, Serendipity Freets uh, for quite cheap before they spiked in price this is before the big price spike uh, like mm-hmm. a Serendipity Freet then was still expensive maybe 50 euros and now it is 100, 150 euros at least. Uh, so mm. uh, I got a hold of that and uh, was allowed to play with some revised duels I had from Legacy, uh, even though Swedes don't allow it usually. Um, but I actually built um, the blue red uh, burn deck, but played it without power uh, my first deck and uh, that worked oh, fine cool. I, I still uh, may I, I didn't win as much as I have done with the deck when it's powered of course but mm-hmm. I still had a positive result and had a really fun time but um, then I got my first power the, my favorite card of all time as a time twister and that I picked up mm-hmm. at a GP uh, I'm glad you're your favorite one is the worst one out of them. <laughs> yeah, people who are playing like vintage and things like that are like, but okay, come on, you bought your first <laughs> P9 and you're buying mm-hmm. the card which not not everyone is everyone is playing. <laughs> I just, yeah, but, but it is. It's my favorite. Yeah, it's and fun. I just traded away cards I didn't play in Legacy uh, with a store at the GP to just get a hold of that first piece of power. And that made the deck so much better because the draw sevens in blue red are the most important power cards. Mm-hmm. So I actually st- and you're and you're, recyc- and you're recycling your burn spells you've cast beforehand already. Yeah, exactly. It is so instead of a yeah instead of a wheel of fortune just to draw a new hand, you're actually putting all the burn spells you cast back into your deck to hopefully draw draw more of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So that that was a big power up uh, but um, then um, 
I decided to go to a tournament in Italy to play some old school. And I just <clears throat> completely lost it and bought the rest of the power in like half a year or something like that. <clears throat> oh, cool. uh, so I didn't play Unpowered for that long, but I will say to people who are listening and you can play decks like that. Even if you look at a deck list online or see someone play, and like, yeah, I can't play that one because it plays Blue and Ancestral Recall and things like that. No, you can still play it. And then maybe, maybe in the future you'll pick up a piece of power. A deck doesn't need to be perfect. And I have a, I had a lot of fun with my deck even before I got my power. But I've played that deck since that day. I played it in Lost NoobCon as well. And it, it's... Yeah, the, the, it's the deck that is the most me. Yeah, I would say when I playing against budget decks because we have got a decent amount of people here that play budget decks which i think is great um mono blue usually gives me the hardest time i'm not saying it's the best one but usually i find it harder to play against counter spells and things of that nature yeah when it's that's that's usually gives me that deck gives me the hardest time or even like mono black discard too because that deck can play different things but usually mono blue um, it gives me the hardest time whenever i'm playing against it yeah and we'll get into uh, that a little more later in the episode as well um, but let's first talk about like the main strategies uh, for playing Unpowered like now we talked a little bit about how you went into the green deck and then pushed into red or how I started and there are some things you can learn and that is there are a couple of strategies that works better when you're playing unpowered because there, there's, there's no denying having power makes for a better deck that's just how it is yeah uh, I don't think anyone would disagree with that but therefore you need to have a plan how to combat the opponent's power how to mitigate the advantage um, well, would you agree with that? I think so, yeah. That's a fair statement. Um, I would say playing an aggressive deck is probably like the easiest way to do this. Because uh, powered decks... And like People with power often play a little dirtier decks, or V-deck, or things like that. Uh, control-ish. So if you just be aggressive enough to make the game go shorter they won't have the time to draw all their power and if they don't draw all their power yeah then you're playing on the same field yeah i think yeah that that's fair because i even when i played when i put together my white weenie deck most white weenie decks that i see are if i think they're you could they're just as good if not you know better Unpowered, just because it's not a dead draw. If you're, if instead of drawing a Mox Pearl, you can draw another White Knight or another Savannah Lions. Um, but I played one with, with the Pearl in it, and even that still helped, just because it, it would help me get another an extra creature out or yeah. do that. But I didn't play anything like you know, I didn't play full power in that, just one Pearl. But but still, uh, like one Pearl is always better than one plane. But it's it's not that important especially exactly and 
another another strategy is to you need to be able to like a power deck a power deck can play uh, spells which cost a little more because uh, if you play like five moxen and a little card draw and all those restricted cards then you have an easier time casting um, spells that cost a little more so but if you don't have those mana acceleration with moxes then you won't be able to cast your four drops a turn earlier more most often um, and if you cast a four drop on turn four then then you will lose to the deck which accelerated its mana to cost its four drop on turn two so i think that's an important part as well like if you're playing mm -hmm. green to actually play ramp creatures uh, like the current um, amgeddon deck uh, you could play that empowered with uh, just a lot of mana dorks and then wipe the opponent's mana base with an armageddon maybe some crumbles things yeah. like that disenchant yeah yeah because i only play with one one emerald now so but it's still I've, I've actually noticed when i played geddon with like a lotus like a ce lotus which i didn't have one but when i would play a tournament i would i was loaned one but playing a pearl and emerald in a lotus just obviously make that deck way better just because you are playing geddon so yeah. having those free mana spells that aren't going to be destroyed by geddon does go a long way but it's still able to be played without it because i you can play eight mana dorks and you can even play more if you wanted but that still does go, get, get can get you there yeah i think so as well and uh, this dark ritual is not a good card um, for this to keep up with the mana acceleration of the moxes and black mm -hmm. lotus and last but not least <clears throat> sorry last but not least um you can also try to go like a prism plan uh, maybe to punish the opponent for playing power like underworld dreams is probably one of the best examples for this which makes the opponent uh, it makes it a little harder for the opponent to draw more cards with um, ancestral recall and time twister and things like that uh oh yeah definitely and also even like that's why f i think fork is a, one of the best red cards just because fork can be whatever you want it to be and if they're playing power you can play with power if you got forks in your deck too yeah if they demonic tutor you can just oh i'll demonic yep. tutor as well okay of course you you got an ancestral recall mm, sorry i i did get this but i had another fork so when you ancestral yep i'll draw three as well yeah two two red when you're playing a mono red deck with two red open you always have to be wary of the fork i love fork i actually don't think it's that great a card uh, oh it's phenomenal I do love it I always want to play it but I never never have the room but you can never like if you build a deck and you put in four forks you've essentially uh, if, if they aren't part of your strategy to copy your own cards as you said you don't know what they will be and that therefore you're playing with four unknowns which aren't like pushing your strategy the way the, the other 56 cards are doing because you have no idea mm -hmm. what those four cards will be uh, so if you want to be like a streamlined deck 
and fork is usually not the right card. But with that said, it's amazingly fun and it could be it can be one of the best cards in the deck as well. If especially yeah. if the opponent doesn't think about it and just play straight into it. Mm-hmm. And then try the counter spell and you have another fork and you fork the counter spell or something like that. It's a cool card. Uh, but uh, when we are talking about red, another card uh, which uh, is quite good if you play against uh, more expensive decks full with dual lands, Blood Moon. Uh, that's a good strategy. Just, nope, you will not be able to play. I have no power, but I play the Blood Moon, so you won't play your power. It, yeah, I... It... I, a Blood Moon is can usually just win games if you're if they're playing against the deck or decks that just don't have basics, especially like even like the um, we've got a few people starting to play Dredge, old school Dredge with like re, uh, with uh, Bazaars and Animate Deads or uh, All Hallows Eves, but a turn one Blood Moon or like just a turn two Blood Moon can just wreck those decks because they're a not playing white. So they can't get rid of it with disenchant, and then B, all their lands are non-basics, and they just basically kind of get locked out. Yeah, Blood Moon um, has been um, being the bane of players ever since '94, and still is in most formats. Yeah, it's illegal. I, it, yeah, and luckily, I think it's actually gone down a little bit. Um, like the the Chron- or the yeah Chronicles version. Um, oh, nice. It finally has gone down, so if people do want to pick them up, I I've always wanted to play it, but then realized that I just don't want to get to get it. Just get this. It just can just get get disenchanted, and then you're out of the. It's just I don't know. Yeah, it's it can be very good, and it can also be very bad. But there's many cards like that. So I um, actually when we're into Blood Moon, before we go continue with the budget uh, talk, I like blue red counter button usually plays a couple of Blood Moons. Uh, I'm just playing one because mm-hmm. for most decks it's so easy to answer uh, it, uh, if they know it's coming. Uh, so it's it's good. It's, it's best main deck, but main deck you don't know if it's going to be good, and therefore it's not, and you want to play it in the sideboard, and that's one of the big problems. But because when you take them in. The opponent will have uh, blue elemental blasts and disenchants, and as long as they can keep their mana up, they can just okay. That's a blood moon. I'll tap my lands for white mana. I'll let it resolve, then disenchant it with the floating mana. Yeah. Uh, so, or just blue elemental blast, which can destroy it even on the stack or after. Um, so there's so many good answers. As long as the opponent is smart, you will probably not get them unless you have like a Lotus Blood Moon start on the play. Um, and and that's yeah, it is a super super powerful card, but I don't think it's as good as many people think. Oh, exactly. Yeah, I I would completely agree. Yeah. I I get the infatuation with it with it why people really really enjoy it. But I don't think it's... It can be backbreaking, but I'm just not going to play it. I don't care enough. Yeah. Something like that. But let's um, go into what can people play uh, when it comes to budget decks. And first of all, 
monocolored is probably where most people will start because it doesn't uh, demand dual lines and uh, things like that. Mm-hmm. And um, because actually, just just to make a point, playing only two colors still needs those dual lines because otherwise it will be hard to cost your spells, especially if you're playing an aggressive deck that needs both colors of mana quite quickly. Uh, I wouldn't recommend people playing two colors without any dual lands. Maybe if they have four Sidio Brass, they can uh, start that way, because Sidio Brass in Chronicles is quite cheap. If your playgroup allows that. Um, as here in Sweden, you need to play Sidio Brass from Antiquities. Uh, Arabian Nights, sorry. Um, and that is, I don't know, 100 and $150 each, something like that, 100 120 So even those are quite expensive nowadays. If that's, yeah, and, that, and if that's the point, if that's the fact, um, then you might as well just buy dual ends. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. Let's start though with the monocolored and talk about all the five colors in the, the correct order, Wuburg order. And then we have white as the first choice. If you want to play a mono white deck, what would you play? Well, I mean, probably white weenie. That would be number one. I don't know if there's anything else that you could play in white that would be any would even be compared to how good white weenie could be just because it it's it's already a top tier deck um in the states it's there it's a top yeah tier yeah deck. i mean it, here, yeah, here, here we have because... just just so people who are listening um we, we just update them on the rules question here because there are a couple of different ban and restricted lists uh, all over the world when you hear Grant talking, he will uh, talk about how they, most of the states play, with, which is Eternal Central Rules, uh, which allow for four strip mines and um, also allow fallen empires. Those are the two big differences. There are a couple of others. And when it's you better hear, than four maids of it. And when you hear me play uh, talk, you'll hear about the format, which, first of all, uh, won't allow reprints. And no fallen empires, only one strip mine. But four misses of it. Uh, but Grant, we can have a discussion about that because I think you're we'll do that too at the afraid. end of the episode. I think so. <laughs> I'll put it here in but the show notes. <laughs> we, uh, yeah, so we, we do a lot of four strip mine, which I think helps propels that deck to the next level. Um, and then also, so when I played White Weenie, I played with a Mox Pearl, but also with like. My deck was a little bit different. I took Nathan, um, who is one of the lords here in Chicago. He he's well known for playing White Weenie, um, and I took his deck. And then I also took the deck that won Eternal Central last year, the White Weenie deck, and kind of put them together and played like with a Pearl uh, uh, um, and some other like more expensive cards. But that's just because of, I had them. But even playing. The, the version that doesn't play any power um, and then that doesn't you know it just basically plays the bare bones of what it, the deck does uh, it is very good and I don't think there's anything else in White Weenie that 
um, is kind of close to it. But like, but even like you can mess around with the deck a little bit too and play Sarah Angels or. Um, yeah, you can play a white deck with a little higher curve if you want to play Sarah Angels because it's just such a powerful yeah. card. But without power, yeah, you're yeah. putting it down the earliest on turn five, and that's the big problem. Yeah, but and also like there's you can even play Army of Allah, which is a great card as well, um, a little bit more aggro, um, which is a colorless two white and attacking creatures get plus two plus so until end of turn it's an instant from arabian nights i think that card's great um so there's variations that can play that way um just really depends i I like this deck because you can kind of play it how you want to play like i was playing with bigger some some bigger creatures a little bit more top end um with my chaos orb and a few other things and like i i i I ran my mana though in that deck was pretty lean i ran four strip and four mistress factory so um, but would you it say was a little bit... would you say Wawin is actually one of the better decks in the U.S. rules, the Eternal Central rules? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, and that's because it's just very resilient. You're constantly playing creatures. It can kind of get blown out depending on what what the matchup is, but it's usually very good. It can always there's always it's always a tough matchup just because it's a constant. There's constantly creatures hitting the board. Um, and you've, you're playing Disenchant, you're playing Swords of Paradise, you've got you've got removal. Um, but I think it's, out of the mono-colored decks, I think it's the best one, personally. But it just depends, because I think mono-red or, like, red artifacts could probably be number two. But, yeah, white white weenie would be probably the best yep. um, top-tier one. Yep. So. Here in the... Uh, <laughs> I haven't uh, played the Tunnel Central rules or in the States yet, so... I will not say anything about there, that, uh, but here in Sweden, uh, the Swedish band restricted list, I would not play. Um, I would not put White Weenie as one of the great decks. But when it comes to budget well, choices, you, I, it's one of the better budget choices. Yeah, and I don't even think you could play the deck to its full potential because you don't allow Fallen Empires, like no. Order of Leaper, Ithac and Javaliers, like exactly. You, not having not having those cards in the deck. Uh, is going to make that deck a lot worse. Yeah, uh, allowing full empires um, is giving the white deck a lot of extra punch. Uh, so there, there you have it. It's a deck which, in half of the world, is a lot better than the other half. Uh, so be careful thinking about who you're going to play with, what rules you're going to use if you're going into white weenie, because it makes quite a bit of difference in that deck. Uh, but mm-hmm. let's go to blue. Uh, mono blue is uh, something that, at least here, isn't seen that often because most people don't want to play blue if they can't play power because that's why you play blue. Uh, you play mm-hmm. blue for the powerful power, power cards. But the thing is, Blue has a lot of different cool stuff it could do uh, even on the budget build without power because you have you have good aggressive creatures like I love flying men uh, but okay. you can also play like Lord of Atlantis and Merfolk of the Trident and um, if you allow Fallen Empires, Fallen Empires River Merfolk is also a really good 2-drop so you can build that way Serendibifreet is one of the best aggressive creatures in the format. So you have a good creature base in Mono Blue. 
and uh, you also have burn which is stupid but <laughs> you do have it psionic yeah. blast is really good burn spell two colorless one blue deals four damage but you take two as well but it's an instant it kills serendipity sir angels singer vampires so you, your small creatures can come on through or it just goes straight to the face and four damage is nothing to laugh about no and and if you want you can also play like um if you want to go to like suicide blue uh, which is the, the name comes from serendipity giving you one damage every turn sonic blast giving you two damage and then cards like mind bomb which is like one blue sorcery which deals three damage to both players but you can discard cards uh, to prevent the damage up to three cards yeah. for three damage but yeah that that never happens and an <laughs> unstable mutation which is also a suicide for the creature who gets it <laughs> yeah uh, so there's a lot of like aggressive cards in blue actually and um, you get to play with islands and that's the most powerful card in magic as we all know very true and I, I think uh, you, you can if you don't want to yeah. go like suicide blue you still have counter spells and counter spells can answer anything yeah that's why that deck is always even as a budget your control can be very good it, control, on a budget control I think can probably you know re- get there uh, in regards to uh, playing against you know more, uh, more expensive decks just because you know Counterspell is very good, and even I, people have had mana drains too. And you, you don't have obviously mana drain is not budget, but um, but it's unpowered. <laughs> it's unpowered, yeah. So that's um, you know man, you you can play that, and then I don't know. It's um, we've got there's always one person playing mono blue here uh, in Chicago, which is always nice. Yeah, but I, I do think if you're if you decide to play mono blue, you should not think of it as a control deck but more a tempo deck or things like that because if you're trying to get the control route and sure counter spells are good but you're going to get stuck behind on mana when you meet a power deck and the power deck can draw ancestral recall and time walk and win that way if the game goes long so I think you still need an aggressive plan and back it up with counter spells or maybe a mana denial plan. That's also something like mana vortex, land equilibrium uh, style deck, maybe. But then you need. Yeah, I think it just mana. depends on I, with 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 budget decks. I, a big part of it, I think, is what you actually want to play as well. Yeah, like, absolutely. If you want to play, if you want to play a budget control deck, I just go and do it. I'm not gonna sit here and tell you what to do. Um, but I, yeah, I think and that is of suicide course blue. True. If I were to play blue mono blue unpowered, I would probably play suicide blue personally and I think so as well but as said blue is probably one of the more versatile colors for a mono mono build Um, but let's um, continue on to black because I think black is a really interesting choice it's probably one of the most uh, used um, mono builds here in uh, Europe when it comes to budget builds mm-hmm. uh, instead of the white weenie which is probably more common in the states 
but black people first of all remember the mono black builds with hypnotic specters and things like that from the early days of magic getting crushed by a turn one hypnotic with the dark ritual and there we have the big the big card which makes black tick even on a budget dark ritual mm-hmm because the Dark Ritual turn one is almost like having a Black Lotus. You're playing four Black Lotuses in your deck. And that, as we talked about earlier, that mitigates a little bit of the power to decks mana acceleration. And if you get a Hypnotic Spectre out turn one and the opponent does, doesn't have a removal spell in hand, then they are in serious trouble. Yeah, and even uh, like Mind Twist is good. Oh yeah, Dark Ritual, Dark Ritual, Mind Twist. Yeah, and, and you or guys even like him to Torah. Exactly, you guys him, are playing like with that, him. Yeah, we play with hims over here, so that does help too. Because that's I hate playing against Mono Black like discard. I just yeah. or just like hand hate. <clears throat> Same I just here. do not enjoy doing it, and that's just because it's random. And I hate opening seven and going, oh yeah, this is great, and then turn one, I'm getting like hymned, and I'm like, well, shit, it's not going to be that good anymore. No, because the, the, the hymn, that's why hymn is one of the most powerful cards in uh, Fallen Empires, the, the random discard, because if you can hymn your opponent on turn one, and you just happen to hit both their lands in a two land opener, then it's just game. Because yeah. you follow it up next turn with, say, something easy, something simple like a Black Knight. But that could be enough. Oh, yeah, no. And then, then that's why, like, two Hippie is also great, too. Because you could, like, him and then maybe play a Hippie. And then you're just, like, off to the races and your opponent can't get ahead. Yeah. So. So Black is a really powerful choice for budget, both in the States and uh, Europe. Um, and Dark Ritual is what makes it all tick um, in the states you have him to Torek which helps it a lot and <laughs> the aggressive it, it also has quite a good uh, selection of aggressive creatures um, even if you d- can't afford to use some gins uh, Black Knight is an okay card Hypnotic Spectre is an amazing card uh, with Full Empires you have uh, uh, Order of the Even Hand Mm-hmm. And um, also in the top, Sanger Vampire is not a bad choice. And playing Sushi instead of Jusum is also good. Like a Dark Ritual makes for a turn two Sushi, which is a 4 4. Mm-hmm. With a big thing with playing Sushi and Budget Decks too is I think needing to play factories as well. Because if you're just playing yeah. Sushis, I think you can die very, very quickly. It's not terrible, but it's just not very good. Um, so having factories... And that's the thing, though. On, on In America, though, we can... You can play with 4th edition factories, which cost 50 cents, yeah. like a buck. <laughs> Nothing. You, know? you, can get, you can get a play set for very, very cheap. So, like, you know, that's... That, that, that kind of helps the budget decks over here do better just because they are playing factories or they're also playing you know um strip mines because library of Ex- alexandra can just win games by itself so if you're able to combat that uh, effectively that does help yeah and the mono black i haven't even mentioned a sinkhole so like destroying yeah, the opponent's play, hand yeah, and then sinkhole can't. and strip mine whatever has left and then hypnotic specter to never let him have a card again and 
Yeah, there's just so much going on. And and that's the thing. You can go the aggressive route or you can also uh, choose to play like a distress uh, build with like Underworld Dreams, Warp Artifact and things like that. Really trying to keep the opponent down, not being able to do things because of the sinkholes and just slowly ticking away at his, at his life. Yeah, and you could play you could play Howling Mine too if you want to go that route as well. Yeah, with 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 land destruction, Howling Mine, and Underworld Dreams, just not allowing your opponent to play anything, and they're just taking all the damage and not being able to do anything. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so um, that's what you can play in black. Let's go to red. Yeah, because this so is red is probably my favorite, and which yeah, I think is that... the most underrated mono build. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I think red is one of my probably my, one of my favorites, but that's just because I like casting chain lightning, ball lightning, lightning bolt, um, all like curd apes. Like I, you could there's a you can go a bunch of different routes with with red. Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, last year, um, I built a secondary deck to lend to if someone wanted to play in a tournament. And that was a mono red build. Uh, the guy who borrowed it came in second uh, with an unpowered mono red build with the goblins of the floor, goblin balloon brigade, uh, four of each, uh, like two goblin digging team, I think, and two goblin kings. So the, the, it's almost a goblin deck, but you need. You need some two drops and three drops, so ball lightnings, uh, iron claw orcs, and then just all the burn you can muster, and some main deck blood moons. As we talk about, those are better mm-hmm. main deck than in the sideboard. So it's like aggressive creatures and burn, and just kill the opponent before he can do anything. Then it, <laughs> you don't care how much power he has. And, um, yeah, it, it. I think with mono decks, it really all comes down to the that couple of cards that really will excel the deck and make that deck much better if you add those cards in, whether they be you know non-power or maybe a little bit more money. But like Blood Moon would probably be it to excel the mono red deck up a little bit. Or even like for the United States, we if we if you want to play goblins, we can play Goblin Grenade, and that card is phenomenal. Yeah, you have uh, that one as well, which is yeah, it's a, it's just a crazy good card. Yeah, you need you to be careful when you go nuts. Need to be careful when you play it, so you don't two for one yourself into a counter spell. But no, no, but I mean then, you that yeah, I think you those those you if you know you can get there with a goblin grenade, you go for it. So exactly but, so yeah but i mean so, i don't know so yeah mono red is just burn straight burn and i think why it's a little bit underplayed is people don't want to play yep three damage in the face three damage in the face they, they want to play something else i think that's it's not a reason that red is bad uh, that people don't play it i don't I think a lot of people just don't think it's fun. Yeah, no, it's a little boring. Uh, but it is probably one of the best... I think 
even in the states with your rules I, I would say mono red is better than mono white uh i think it'll I, I was actually thinking about that the other day i think if you played 10 games it would maybe be five and five no it could be I, I think they would be on the same level. I Just because, like, if you draw all your removal for red... Because that's the thing, though. With red, if you're drawing all your removal to get rid of the creatures, then you need to find a way to beat White Weenie. But if White Weenie's just drawing all the creatures and red's not seeing any um, removal, then White Weenie's just going to roll. So it just kind of... I think it really all depends on who what the draws look like. But I think you I would give it a 50-50 win rate to each deck for that matchup but i think it just it really depends on what you know what yeah um what the draws look like but i think so uh, but yeah it's uh, probably one of the most underplayed good uh, budget decks but let's go to the last of the monocolored options green the color you started with because green probably the worst I, I do love budget green decks and that's also because it can go a couple of different routes uh, like white has white weenie red is burn in some way blue mm-hmm. it can do a lot of different stuff black is even if you go more aggressive or more distressed route it's a little bit of the same using call or him and things like that and kill with creatures or maybe you kill with Underworld Dreams and Warp Artifacts. But green also has... You can play a pretty good aggressive mono green deck because they have a good selection of creatures uh, all over the curve. And you can also play like a ramp deck. Or maybe even if you want to be real crazy, a mono green Enchantress deck. And things like that. Uh, there, there's a couple of selections yeah. to do in mono green. And um, uh, yeah, like yeah, I think green can you. There's a lot of different ways. I still think it's not the best one out of all of them, but no, it's probably not. Uh, or no, it's not. But I do like that if you go into green like a new player, you can quite easily uh, change your strategy. Uh, between a couple of different without uh, needing to go into another color or buy any of the super expensive cards uh, so mm-hmm. it makes for some uh, if, if you know you're not going to be able to spend a lot of money and uh, maybe just go into one color for quite some time then I think uh, green is a good choice because you can play it in different ways like the aggressive deck with uh, as one drops scavenger folks navsas uh, land war elves of course which gives you a little ramp as well you can play a three drop on turn two easily uh, turn two you have uh, one of the best two drops in the format if not the best two drop actually uh, argothian pixis which just runs straight through factories yeah and no, that's one the the better budget just it's cheap you know yeah and it costs nothing <laughs> almost and okay elvish archers is a okay two drop as well and mm-hmm. as a three drop that's where it's a little bit harder uh, but i really love um, gaius avenger 
which is a strange uh, creature from antiquities. It's a 1-1 one, one for 1 and 2 green, uh, which is... <clears throat> that doesn't sound that good, but the thing is, it gets plus 1 plus 1 for every artifact your opponent controls. And that means if the opponent is playing powered, uh, or maybe like a re-control deck, playing also Falwar Stones, things like that, it's, he quite easily has two or three artifacts on the table, at least. Mm -hmm. And if he has three artifacts yeah. on the table, it's a 4-4 four, four creature for three mana. And that's crazy good in this format. Yeah, I think it's a good... A very good sideboard. I don't know how... I would maybe main deck one or two, but I, if you're playing budget, I think you probably want to put it in the... In, and not main deck uh, In the four. board. You yeah. can probably main deck two, but it depends on your meta, of course. But if you know most people are playing power and are playing decks with all the mocks in and uh, things like that, then you can probably main deck a couple maybe even four then but if you're more in a meta that shifts quite a lot or other budget players then they are better in the sideboard so it's it's a bit of a meta choice but it's a good three drop and on four drop you have uh, the gins and the freaks uh, Ernam gin which if you go by the swedish rules uh, may not be a budget card as it is like 70 to 100 bucks a piece uh, but mm -hmm. if you play with reprint rules uh, uh, chronicles that's quite cheap costs almost nothing I would say uh, you can find form black borders for a good price yeah. floating around out there too exactly they don't look that horrible so that's a good creature one of the best in the format uh, but if you can't afford that one, uh, then you also have um, uh, uh, the Ifbif Efreet, uh, mm -hmm. the one uh, uh, which Serendib Efreet got its picture from in Revised, yep. uh, which is an amazing card, I think. It's a 3-3 flyer for 2 and 2 green. Uh, which has a hurricane effect on it. Like for one green, it is one damage to each creature with flying in each player. Uh, the thing is that both players can play this ability, but that usually don't matter that much. And if you can play this for four green mana because you're playing mono green, and next turn play another green source, you can attack for three. And as how magic works is you can always respond to an effect. So you can actually do five damage with him for five mana even though the if if dies uh off the three damage so the the next turn yeah, after that... you play him if you have another green source you can hit for eight if it's the, for the last eight damage yeah I, if if is one of my favorite green cards i finally when i picked up the play set i was excited because it makes blocking and other things um it can it can it can you know take down you, they could play flying men and then you could just go to town and start picking everything off or it's slowly too like it, when, it, when it gets down to you know if you can if you can get them down low enough life you can just burn them out with an afreet as well exactly and that was that's 
what makes him really good. If you play him hit for three, maybe uh, shoot two in your turn, so he survives. Shoot two in the opponent's turn, so still survives. That's seven damage, and then it's your turn again, and you can hit for, yeah, probably the rest. Um, mm-hmm. so, yeah, so it just depends. Uh, that's a good card. And uh, that's the aggressive. Like, you, you have a really good curve with a lot of creatures. Um, also, Giant Growth is a good aggressive card. And um, and you could even play Berserk. I think you could find... I picked up that third unlimited Berserk for 30 bucks. Whoa, that's cheap. On, yeah, on eBay. So that was free shipping and everything. So like that is pretty. If you do want to play with berserks, you can find them. You know, for a good price online. If you wait, look. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. The and, mono decks, mono, mono, mono decks are, you know, all very easy to build, but also you can play around with them as much as you want, which I think is good as well. A great way to get into the format if if, um, if you're looking to get into it. Or even like adding, you know, I think what's what's next on the docket, just uh, yeah. adding an extra color. Exactly. If you start out with a budget deck, uh, mono green or mono red or mono white or whatever uh, and just continue to play and uh, then it's quite easy to just Building from there, adding another color by buying some jewels. If you skip blue, uh, you can get uh, jewels quite cheap, especially Taiga Plateau and um, Badlands. Also by you, but I don't know if there's a good black green deck. But yeah, you can play black green land destruction, something like that. Yeah, but, black black green land destruction's probably the best. Uh, but bayous have slowly bayous have been up and down on the price. But um, I've, I I have two bayous that I've just had for a long time. But I don't plan on spending yeah. one hundred and fifty dollars on more bayous. So. But otherwise, uh, you can do uh, how, yeah how how you did it. Uh, if you're playing green or red, um, you can add the other colors with uh, tigers for quite cheap. And one one of the most if you're playing an aggressive deck in any color. Uh, which isn't red. You can add red for the reach, lightning bolts and chain lightnings, and it will be better. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that's, and that's like how white is. If you add white, you're going to be able to play disenchant swords, and it's going to be much much better. Yeah, exactly. So the red green is a um, uh, famous uh, archetype. Like curd apes becomes a viable option, which is a super good one drop. You have all the lightning bolts, you have Urnum Jins and all the creatures uh, in green we just talked about. So we have red burn, green creatures, and you don't need power to make that deck any good. It's called Urnum Burnum. Yeah. It's one of those original archetypes. Uh, and um, if you're playing black or uh, red and adding the other color for a black red deck, you can also make with the lightning bolts a good aggressive deck uh, but it also open up for uh, the trick deck underworld combo uh, with wheel of fortune and uh, winds of change and things like that with underworld mm-hmm. dreams in play yeah. uh, maybe not one of the best decks uh, but it's a really fun deck and also one of the original combos 
Underworld Dreams were actually restricted uh, for a while back in the 90s because of this. It was one of the most powerful cards people thought. Um, and White Red, as you said, um, adding red to White Wingy to get some lightning bolts could be amazing if you have the yeah. um, uh, room for them. And it also opened up for uh, the classic tax edge using land tax to fill your hand with lines and throw them at the opponent's face with the land's edge. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that deck is very fun. I've played that deck a few times. I really enjoyed it. I, I didn't want to build it, but it was fun to play once in a while because it was very explosive. You can just go nuts. Yeah, it is a quite light, uh, linear deck, but it's really fun when it works. It's, it's a little like monogreen ramp. Uh, which we we didn't really talk about, but you play a bunch of ramp uh, and a bunch of big, big creature. If you get the right combination of mana dorks and big creatures, then you can win against almost any deck. But the problem is sometimes you only draw mana dorks and sometimes you only draw big creatures. And then you're going mm-hmm. to lose. So it's a, it's a deck... With a lot of potential when it goes good, but yeah, you you will win some and lose some, and the tax edge I think is almost the same. You can draw a little bit of the wrong side of the deck. Uh, but you you had a, a white red deck, um, a budget deck as well, uh, which won a tournament uh, in Chicago, wasn't it? Yeah. So Nick Rohr played. I mean, I don't even remember what he called it, but it's most it's predominantly red, uh, but it splashes white for balance and uh, one Armageddon and four disenchants, and then everything else is red or colorless uh, artifacts. But basically plays root gig, you know, root gig, Neverill's disc, Triskelion, fireball, ball lightning, chain lightning, lightning bolt, but then it plays. Uh, oh, so it's um, all, four, almost four, uh, like a crimson disco deck uh, but without the regenerating trolls instead uh, for root eggs only yeah. to really come yeah and, but i mean it also, it also could play you know really big earthquakes it, it, it's got multiple wind conditions which i think is great but because it's got the root eggs for blocking and it can deal some fast damage but it um it did really well and yeah it won the tournament so it was oh, cool and it's also and it you know if you're not playing it, in regards to like a budget deck, I think it's a great budget deck for 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 red white as well because plateaus aren't that expensive. You can get some chronicles, city of brasses, and then everything else is relatively under ten bucks at, at the least ten dollars. But everything's he he white bordered it out besides the factories and the strip mines. But everything else is you know it's if it can be white border it is. <laughs> yeah, and that's then it's cheap. That's one mm-hmm. of the things we're talking about. Sometimes you just need to have a deck for sheep. And they are quite good. Uh, like the goblin deck I talked about, which come, which came second. And this deck, uh, who won. And wasn't it a big tournament where White Weenie took down the hole? Was it the, the last turn of the weekend? Or what was it uh, in the States? Um, I don't remember. But mono decks... Monocolor decks and budget decks don't need to be bad, and they can absolutely mm-hmm. take down tournaments. 
power will always make a deck better, but it's you don't need it to play. And that's the most important part to think about. And um, uh, but but as we said, there's a couple of main strategies. We've uh, talked about those: the monocolored, how you then go to a second color, but the you can also play quite uh, let, let's say interesting decks more more focused uh, decks uh, with combos and things like that um, without power uh, then you can't really say there are budget builds anymore often uh, like the Urnum Geddon deck is probably at least not a Swedish rules it won't be a budget deck because Urnum Jins are expensive or armageddons are expensive say, yeah. all the duels are expensive birds of paradise are expensive um, like birds here are 70 dollars a piece they're in them gins let's say the same um, armageddon and unlimited is uh, 20 30 40 maybe and so and then all the duel land so we're far away from a budget deck but you can absolutely play it unpowered. You can also play as uh, I've listed some decks here, like a stasis deck. I think it's uh, absolutely possible to build a good stasis deck unpowered. Yeah, well, especially combat. when the, you guys, a lot of people play the deck out there too. So you know, making sure you can probably try to build something that can be somewhat budget to 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 combat the deck if you can. Yeah, probably be the best route. But I would say it uh, it depends a lot on uh, your community, and there's a big difference um, on where you play. If you play, let's say here in Stockholm, we are at least thirty active players. Uh, maybe one deck, uh, the deck, will show up at the tournament, and it's the same most uh, places here in Sweden. Actually, it's only like the big tournaments. Uh, we can see in the top eight a couple of the deck because you know, there, there are a couple of good players which only show up like once a year and play that deck and play really good. But otherwise, the deck isn't that prominent. But in some communities uh, which I've seen, there is like half of the meta is the deck. And it's still, uh, meta gaming is still important if you want to win. Uh, but it's old school. Winning shouldn't be the main focus. Just play what you like and focus on having a strategy against the big decks. Even if you will be underdog, have a strategy so you know how to maximize your chances. I think that's the most important part. Yeah. But you can play, as I did, blue-red without power, Lestresu. Um, I think one of the best unpowered decks would be uh, Dead Guy Ale. Um, black White. You have all the removal from White. You have the Sink Calls and uh, Dark Rituals, Hypnotics, um, uh, Juice and Jins from Black to get a good aggressive start. Underworld Dreams against Combo and Control. You, you get a little bit of everything. It's probably one of the most versatile decks. Yeah. I think it's fair. It just really all depends on what you want to play, especially when it's easy to pick up cards and, and to start playing. That's the easiest way. Yeah. 
think so as well. But that I think that's that from our main topic today: uh, playing unpowered and uh, on a budget. Um, and I put in a special side note here in our uh, super secret episode episode document, Mace of It. <laughs> Because the Swedish um, community just uh, unrestricted Mace of It, uh, which has become the big discussion all over the internet. Is it a good unrestriction or not? Uh, and I think people are just too afraid and are just thinking about those times when they remember a Mace is on the table and how horrible it felt without actually thinking logically about it. How good is it actual? Actually. Well, I think it all comes down to what type of deck you're going to play. I understood the reasoning why MG did it, uh, like he what, what he said. I don't think the reason of giving prison decks more ammo is a good reason at all because they're awful decks to play <laughs> against but that, like, that shouldn't not... be a reason I think because some people like playing a prison some people like playing a troll some people like playing aggressive you need to give them all tools I oh I understand that but I'm saying I think prison decks already have everything they need but why aren't we seeing uh, that many in, in the top 8 then or actually, well, probably because it's not good enough. But I don't think making that like, and then they need more something just to make something good enough is not the best way to do it. If you want to see that deck, then you need to figure adapt that deck to what why why it's not doing too good. But I don't I don't know if I don't even think uh, yeah I don't know I just don't I don't really care too much because it's literally not affecting me at all. I just <laughs> find it funny. Yeah, and um, I still haven't. The group out, the group out, the group out in New England. They switched to CE, I think, over that. I'm not sure. I didn't even know that they were playing Swedish rules. Not, to be, be completely honest, uh, the New England uh, they... were playing uh, uh, Swedish grind rules, but with Fallen Empires legal, and have talked about oh. um, changing over to Eternal Central for. Uh, sometime and did it now when the new ban and restricted update came. yeah yeah um, and um, but um, I, I would say look at what happens uh, when people start brewing and coming up with uh, ideas for this because it takes a land drop it can be destroyed you can't play that many and if you look at all the all the actual good decks uh, almost none of them were playing the even one allowed before. So this only opens up for new decks. And um, that's always something good, I would say, with unrestrictions. If it opens up for new yeah. strategies, then it's good. If it helps the already good strategies, then it's probably not the best choice. But as none of the top-tier decks were playing Mace of It, it seems like a good choice, uh, I would say. Yeah. I I think you're just gonna we're gonna we're gonna have to wait and see yeah. what the couple next tournament reports are coming out because I don't think it's really gonna affect anything. Me neither. But I think that. But I think 
But I think if you do want to unban something, it should affect the format a little bit. So if this unbanning doesn't change a thing, then it's going to be the same. It's going to be a year of the same, which absolutely. But then it was a good restriction, because otherwise, why were why were it on the restricted list? Um, so you, uh, there's a couple of cards when they be uh, when they become unrestricted have done big things and some which haven't done but if it doesn't do anything then it was a good choice because there was no reason for it to be on the list yeah but if but if the point of unbanning and banning things is to change up the meta and nothing changes then there would be no reason to have done anything does that make sense um, I, I, I don't no, no I don't think it makes sense uh, because oh, okay. um, I think it makes some sense uh, as it is a non-rotating eternal format um, to which doesn't get new cards in any other way uh, that it would be fun uh, if something happens when an restriction or restriction happens uh, that changes up the meta but we can't have a card on the restricted list which shouldn't be there just because I'm restricting it wouldn't do anything that that's that's not a good enough reason uh, but then there are cards other cards could do something like the four black vice maybe can do something who knows i don't think black vice is going to make a big big difference either no, me neither actually but <laughs> i don't think because the card can be good but then the card can also be just not very good and with disenchant just being such a good card artifacts and enchantments are already yeah lessened as what they can you know what they could do just because of that fact that's a, with maze of it though it's a little bit harder to get rid of because it's very it, it's a land so yes. you, you you need to see a strip mine a stone rain uh a sinkhole ice storm yeah more dedicated those, those cards aren't played too much but and you guys not having four strip mine that was the biggest thing so like if 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 it, I mean, it just really all depends. It's all matchup based. Yeah, but like, if the opponent skips a land drop to mace of it, you, one of your creatures, that's the same as uh, playing a source of plowshares, except they get the land drop the turn after because it takes one mana to source of plowshares and one card. Here, the mace of it uh, takes away that one mana when it comes uh, the first turn you use it, but it's also taking away one mana for the rest of the game as you could have put a land into play and it still just kills one creature so it, it is a inferior card to source of plowshares which is unrestricted and that's the main reason and there are answers to it so uh, you can get your creature back but as I talked um, about with the Magnus it's uh, also a two-edged sword because you can get your creature back if you destroy the maze, but if the opponent can destroy a lot of your creatures with a Wrath of God or something like that, and Nevinol's Disc, they can use the mazes again, and that's a virtual card advantage. So that goes both ways. And uh, I think if yeah. maze will be good or not depends on how people will use that part of it. Who can uh, get the best advantage? Uh, will it be the aggressive player killing the maze of it, or will it be a deck built around using it in that way? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but if we get a deck that could use it in that way, that would be a new deck. And that's always good. Yeah. Yeah, Let's I see. think we're just going to have to wait and see. Yeah. So I think uh, we're going to our last uh, topic of the day, the night, the morning. Uh, for me, it's evening. For Grant, it's quite early in the morning. And that is, what have we been drinking? Because drinking is part of old school. So, Grant, what have you been drinking lately? Um, well, last night I was drinking Polestar Pilsner by Left Hand. <coughs> Sorry. Uh, left Hand Brewing. Uh, and then I had some Kronbacher Pilsner as well. I've been drinking the lighter beers and the the ciders as of late just because i'm a little beard out um but yeah so the the been drinking like light pilsners and and uh some bourbon as well so oh yeah I whenever i bourbon. have the chance but yeah i've been having a lot of early mornings though so i've been taking it a little easier than normal yeah and i will say i've, I've uh, just been trying to uh, start to learn more about wine again um uh, so, oh yeah, I don't know anything. <laughs> Nothing. I want to know about every alcoholic beverage there is and learn as much as possible about everything. So I'm trying more about wine now, but I have been drinking um, some really good because the summer has uh, just come to Sweden, uh, mm-hmm. which is always a happy time as we have nine months of darkness and three months of actual sun uh, in this country. Yeah. And um, that means sitting on the balcony and sipping on a good beer, um, good cold beer. And it has been uh, Hansen's uh, Artisanal, uh, Belgian Eau uh, Gus, so sour beer. Uh, it's a really good, not that expensive uh, Gus, which uh, is quite good uh, in a s- warm summer's day when it's cold. But most of all, I'm looking forward to a bottle I promised a friend I will open in our, on our tournament the 10th of June. And that is also uh, a sour beer, uh, Gus, which is uh, Boone Marie Parfait from 2010, which I've stored oh, yeah. in my cellar for many years. Those are always fun to open old bottles. Yeah, there's it. dust all over them. Exactly. So I'm looking forward to opening that bottle and sharing it with my fellow beer geek on the tournament. So that's what we've been drinking. That's our thoughts about playing on a budget uh, and playing unpowered. As uh, thanks for listening to the second episode or. <clears throat> episode two but the fourth episode uh, of flipping orbs uh, I actually didn't say flipping orbs in the beginning I just realized yeah things happen uh, <laughs> if you want to read more about uh, like the decks we've talked about and uh, other uh, archetypes uh, I'll do another plug for going to wakwak.se uh, where we list all the archetypes um, all uh, most of the archetypes uh, with some uh, text about how you can build them and um, if you want to contact us you can do it by mail uh, wakwakmtg at gmail.com 
Uh, you can find us on Twitter, uh, WakWakMTG, on Instagram, same there, WakWakMTG, and on Facebook slash WakWakMTG. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram uh, on Gordon Anderson, Anderson with two S. And Grant, of course, they can also find you on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, yeah, uh, Instagram is Old Magic Musings. I just post about whenever I get together or when I get some mail, I'll post a little video or something. Um, and then Twitter is GrantlyCore. Uh, G-R-A-N-T-L-Y-C-O-R-E I think some people have started following me because of the show which is pretty fun nice. I don't really tweet too much about that um, but or about magic but I will I'm trying to start to do it a little bit more um, yeah I don't tweet that so much about magic to, the, not on the Whack Whack account either it's mostly yeah Instagram, Instagram Instagram would be the best place for conversation as well yeah. but um, yeah so that's uh, where you can find me and then we also have Lords of the Pit Instagram as well, which is for oh, yeah. the crew here in Chicago. So you can also give them a follow uh, as well. And then again, we are having a tournament August 26th in Chicago. So if you do want to, um, oh geez, hey Grant, what are you another, doing? I don't know. Something, something. Oh, there we go. Hold <laughs> on. Uh, Grant just, uh, deleted just deleted all our show notes. Um, there we go. I don't know. Someone got stuck. Um, anyways, yeah. The, I'll the, see uh, if order, I can fix uh, the, <laughs> the, uh, Follow Lords of the Pit on uh, Instagram as well. Yeah. And yeah, if you live in the States, too, that's... You, should, you should absolutely sign up for the Old School Ball. What's it called that? Yeah. Yeah, Old School... Um, uh, old School Players Ball. Old yeah, School yeah. Players Ball, which so it should be be a big event in August, August 20 yeah August 26th um, at Re- Revolution Brewing Tap Room off uh, like Kedzie and Belmont over there so it should be good yeah where can they find more information about this oh um, well we have an Eventbrite page I posted something on Instagram uh, Lords of the Pit posted something on Instagram you'll see it on Instagram um, and Twitter as well uh, if you follow Wakwak yeah. on Twitter you will also see a retweet yeah. about Eter- it Eternal, Eternal Central just tweeted it and I believe someone just made a Lords of the Pit Twitter as well so they probably I'm assuming they tweeted it as well so perfect uh, and there's some people retweeting it so you'll see it around or if you have any questions just shoot us an email and I'll send you the info yeah perfect and um thanks again for listening yeah thanks guys and uh have a good it's memorial day weekend here in the states so everyone's probably got monday off which is going to be nice to have a three-day weekend so enjoy the grilling out and hopefully the nice weather thanks and bye